Hello, welcome to Temple Talk. Before we begin, I need to mention a few things. Firstly, I am not an official representative of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, nor am I sponsored by them. I'm doing this on my own time and on my own dime. Secondly, every resource I use to create each episode are all publicly available material approved by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I will always include links in each episode description. Lastly, if you'd like to learn more about our beliefs regarding the temple and all things, I will also include a link to the website churchofjesuschrist.org in the episode description. Thanks for tuning in, and now for the episode. Hello, welcome to Temple Talk. My name is Camille. I will be your Temple Talker. I have a very special guest Temple Talker today, Samantha. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I am from Houston, Texas, and I serve my mission in Nauvoo in the historic sites where um, one of, well, the second temple was built. And so I love learning about the temple and talking about it. It's something I don't get to talk as much about since I've come home from my mission. So that is why I get to be here today, and I'm really excited. I'm so excited. We were really lucky since you were you were serving during COVID, right? When yeah, you were I was. on your mission. So we got some chances to see some of the virtual tours that were provided that you and your companion did, and it was awesome. So Samantha's so awesome. She's good. This is going to be great. You're all in for a treat. <laughs> uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. The title of this episode: Ordinance Night of the Living Dead. What does proxy work mean? I remember a moment when I was in high school and I was mentioning to my friend, hey, we're going to go do baptisms for the dead, my temple group. And that's very normal language in the church. And she gave me the weirdest look. And I was like, what? And she said, you're baptizing dead people. (laughs) She's like, are you like unburying them and baptizing them? And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) She was really panicked for a second. And I was like, huh by proxy work. This is very different, but I think that was her first impression of the temple was pure terror. And that would be horrifying if that were the case, but thank heavens we don't have to dig up any any corpses and baptize them like she thought. So hopefully her opinion has approved of the church since then. <laughs> Good missionary opportunity right there. I blew it. But yeah, I think this is going to be great because you served on so many historical sites to be able to talk about the sacrifices that the early saints of the church made to make temple worship a priority. In a previous season, I talked a lot about temples in the Bible and how God always commanded a temple to be on the earth so they could perform ordinances in the temple and why that was so sacred. And it's still just as important today that we serve in temples, that we worship, that we have sacred places set apart and dedicated through the priesthood authority to be able to perform ordinances, not just for ourselves, but for those who have passed on. Um, it's a really neat opportunity. So really excited to get into this. Would you, Samantha, be willing to set the picture, set the tone of what it was like to be an early saint? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Something that I think is really cool is to kind of just see where they were coming from, right? When we talk about the restoration of the church, it's really cool to put it in that context of the focus of people in that time Mm -hmm. period, right? Where they, there was this huge, I'm trying to think of the right word, like 
up not uprising but movement there we go Mm -hmm. um this huge movement right where people were so focused on god and that was like the center of kind of what they what their focus was on and their social lives and everything that they were doing right i feel like it's so cool to think about how that was kind of the center of a lot of their societies um Mm -hmm. and so coming into the church then they're able to have this restored knowledge, right? And this this greater knowledge and these ways of being able to come closer to God that were very unique for that Absolutely. time. Yeah, the thing that amazes me is how the early saints didn't have a handbook. They didn't have all these instructions of piece by piece. They were learning it as it was being revealed. And so they were doing their best. They lived in an exciting time of revelation, of trying to get things done in order and correctness. It was it was a really exciting time. And I'm just amazed at the faith of them that were willing to be flexible, I guess I would say. Uh, whereas now we have, oh, what's the answer to this question? There it is. It's in the yeah. handbook. It, it's just, oh, the faith of the saints is amazing. Sorry to cut you off there. <laughs> no, I love that. It makes me think of how now or when President Nelson was first called, right? Every general conference Mm -hmm. was like, oh, what's going to happen now? Probably Mm -hmm. it was like that every single day for them. It's like, okay, what's the next, what's the next thing like establishing Zion? It's, we were excited about like, honestly, little announcements probably in comparison to what they were experiencing. It was such an exciting time to be part of the church. It still is, but. Absolutely. No, I love that. That was a great comparison. Yeah. So I don't know. I kind of like to think about that and how they just, they really did. Like you said, they had a lot of faith and they were searching, I feel like, so diligently. Just like you said, they they didn't have like the resources we have now where we can just go and look in all of the scriptures or all of these books and things that have been written since then, right? They really were just going off of kind of what they had at the time and they were searching for that light from God. Absolutely. Thinking ahead a little bit, I think President Nelson has exemplified this so well, um, and we've gotten it more, I think, than we've gotten, not necessarily with some of the other prophets, but I think more openly than we have with some of the other prophets about how in the the history of this church, it started with a question. It started with Joseph Smith having a question and asking the Lord, and he wasn't expecting this is going to, you're going to be the tool in which I build the restored church on the earth. He was a 14 year old kid, but very much that all of these things that we're about to talk about have been revealed line upon line as questions have been asked. And I think President Nelson has been asking very much questions that we've just kind of taken for granted of, oh, this is the way it's always been done. Therefore, this is what we do. And especially with a lot of relating to the temple, a lot of practices that were not necessarily doctrine that he asked about and then received a better way to do it. And so very much all of the saints, their faith and their questions is what made the incredible revelation so personal to them was these were answers that they had, the, the answers to questions they had. This wasn't just the Lord just giving them all little bits and pieces and watching them scramble around and try to do his will. This was very much we want to do his will, what's next kind of a thing. Yeah, I love that. And I think if he'd given it to them all at once, they wouldn't have maybe understood it as well. That's why it had to come a little bit at a time. That's something that I love is I've kind of learned about like how their lives were like, I guess, as they were building the temples. Like that 
building of the temple prepared them to be ready for the things that they would be able to experience there. And that's something that I think is really neat. I love that. They're so involved in their preparation nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, we work, work hard to try to prepare people to go to the temple because it's all available and all right there. Yeah. Whereas when they're building, they're engaged in every step of the way. Yeah. Something that is cool. So they had built a temple previously in Kirtland and that's kind of where you hear really cool stories about like the women like crushing up their china or like the right, the really fine things and using them um, to build that temple. And then as they were commanded to leave, I'm sure you can imagine, or really we can't imagine, right? What that must have felt like for them. They've just spent all this time and all this energy to build a temple. And they're not even, honestly, not even super sure why, right? They're, mm-hmm. They know that it's going to be a place of learning and they had amazing meetings there. But as they had to leave Kirtland, um, they're then leaving their temple behind, leaving behind all of that hard work. Um, and they come to Nauvoo and this is where a lot of further doctrine was restored on what the purpose of temples was. And so they come to Nauvoo and they're they're really like carving their entire city out of a swamp um, which was probably quite an adventure for them. They're digging and all sorts of things, right? Just trying to make it habitable. It's like mosquito land. Everybody's sick. Oh, um, which, and, by the way, these were not people who were experienced. I mean, they were a lot of no, farmers and people yeah. with very little education. They didn't have architectural degrees. They didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of the skills that were required of them to build up a city. It really goes to show that God can work with whatever you have as long as you're willing. God will make it work, which is amazing to me. It's so true. And it's cool to see, too, how he used, like, the skills of the people that did come, right? Or he prepared Mm -hmm. people to come that did have more experience eventually, right? But they all really (laughs) were just working together to try to to make it work. And then um, it's revealed to them that they need to build another temple. And I'm sure after having already been, been like driven from place to place, right? And especially after all the persecution they experienced in Missouri, they probably were, if, if I were them, I would be pretty skeptical. I would say, okay, this right. is a really hard thing you're asking of us because we, we just built a temple. We just had to leave mm-hmm. our homes and now we're barely getting established here. It took a lot of faith for them yeah. to be able to actually follow through on this commandment. This thing that they were asked yeah. to do, this building of the temple. I mean, living in extreme poverty, and then it must have felt like the temple was just kind of a luxury of, yeah, eventually, mm-hmm. obviously, we'd love to have a temple, but I, you know, we're barely getting by eating, drinking, feeding our children. It's yeah, very much. It was crazy. And it was a sacrifice for them, too. And that's something that's really kind of cool is they didn't, just like you said, they're they're coming from poverty. A lot of them didn't have a lot, but they did, you know, they were coming from different places where they had different skills. Maybe they were good with like stone cutting or whatever mm. else it was. And so they would, they would come and they would actually tithe their time, which I think is really cool. Usually the men would spend like one day out of every 10 just working on the temple. Um, and so... They're they're tithing their time and the women are thinking, okay, how can we how can we help with this effort? Something that's really cool. In Nauvoo, we talked a lot about how it was a temple city. Um, it's a place where everybody, for the most part, was really focused on let's build this temple. This is what God has asked us to do, and we're gonna do it together. 
And so as the men were tithing their time with whatever their skills were, um, the women kind of came together and they said, how can we contribute to this? What can we do? And they wanted to form like a little sewing society so that they could, you know, show, sew shirts for the workmen, those sorts of things. And that's actually how the Relief Society was formed, which I think is really cool. Um, this group of women that comes together and says, how can we serve? And they are able to use that to prepare for the temple to be built. Yeah, that really brings up that the women came with a question. What can we do to serve? And yeah. they can't. They kind of formed their own plan presented it to Joseph Smith, the prophet to pray about. And he came back with the Lord has something even better for you in Mm -hmm. store. And that's how the Relief Society was formed. But it wouldn't have started without the question that they were asking of how can we contribute? So cool. Yeah, I love that. And they weren't even trying to think like, oh, how can we, Mm -hmm. you know, make a difference on the on the church for the rest of time or whatever, right? They're just, Mm -hmm. what can we do to serve? And then God, he did, he took them to something better. And there's a quote that I love that's in like the daughters of my kingdom or in my kingdom book. Um, And it just talks about how um, when they started this sewing society, it says they wanted to help prepare a temple for the people under the inspiration and guidance of a prophet and other priesthood leaders. They and their sisters ultimately helped prepare a people for the temple. And I just love kind of that principle, just like you said, that line upon line that God He was giving them just enough, start working on this temple, start this sewing society, do these little things. And then as they did that, and as they gave up their time and their talents and everything that they had, God prepared them to be ready. And he prepared them to be able to go to the temple and receive that strength before they had Mm -hmm. to keep, keep moving forward from Nauvoo. And even just objectively outside of the church, looking at how incredible these buildings are that have lasted through time, mm-hmm. that these saints, this was this was holy work, and they knew it, and they were not disappointed when it came to the dedication of the temple. <laughs> really good stuff <laughs> happened, and that, I think, would have paid off a lot. Oh, I love all of this. This is great. I love that quote from Daughters of My Kingdom. It's been a while since I've read that one. I need to go back and do that one again. Was it Kirtland or was it Nafu that they had the vision of what it was going to look like? I know that when they were building the Nauvoo Temple, Joseph Smith, he did. He had a vision um, of what it would look like. And it's actually kind of cool. One of the architects for the temple, um, his name is William Weeks. You might have heard of him. They actually, I think so, yeah. right at the end of my mission, they just, they had rebuilt his home. So he was an architect. Um, and Joseph Smith said, okay, I saw this in a vision that the temple would have these like circle windows. William Weeks is like this, you know, very educated. He knows, right? And he mm-hmm. said, that's not, that's actually not possible. Like nobody has ever done this before. And he's studied all sorts of architecture and things. And Joseph kind of put his foot down a little bit about it. And he said, no, I saw it in a vision that it would have these, these windows that are circles. And they made it happen. And I think that's really cool. Just another example of the Lord saying, here's a, here's a little bit, right? Here's this vision. This is mm-hmm. what it will look like. And then they kind of worked on that together and created what it, what it would just look like from the outside, which is absolutely stunning. So cool. It gives me a little goosebumps, actually. <laughs> I really love that. Yeah, they received a lot of experiences very similar to when the uh, Temple of Solomon was built and how the spirit mm-hmm. was poured out on people and it looked like things were on fire because of how bright the spirit was. That was very, very similar 
And I think just such a testament to the saints that what they had done had been accepted by the Lord. They really gave it their all. And the thing I just love about getting to talk to this, especially with you, is just how hopeful the temple is for people. It was hopeful for them then and very hopeful for us now. Um, I think the story of how a lot of the doctrine was restored was through, uh, well, I was debating calling this episode a tale of two brothers because that's really kind of the way it started. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of religions believed that after you passed away, there was there was nothing you could do to help that person. They were done. They couldn't do the things in life. They don't really have a chance after death. I have this quote just, and this kind of goes back to how Joseph in his lifetime did not receive everything connected with a doctrine of redemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brigham Young had taught the saints earlier that year, but he had left the key with those who understand how to obtain and teach this great people all that is necessary for their salvation and exaltation into the celestial kingdom of God. Um, that his people, like the Lord has led his people all along in this way and giving them here a little and there a little. And so as we talk about the restoration of temple doctrine and how some of these stories came to be, we can really see how uh-huh. it's not that the doctrine of the temple changed, changed is very much some of the practices revolving temple ceremonies, ordinances like that has changed. And that still to this day is refined very carefully. Have you been to the temple since like two months ago? They, they changed up the endowment yeah. film just a little bit. And I yeah, love it. I do. I love, I love that kind of principle. Just like you said, that line upon line, I feel like it's really cool to see when we ask God, whatever mm-hmm. it is in our lives, right? And we see that pattern here with the temples. God was giving them like, this is what you're ready for. That's how I like mm-hmm. to think of it. Sometimes he has to wait for us to be ready to keep receiving that, that further wisdom. And he does Absolutely. that now, right? With the temple and with everything else. And he did it for these early members of the church as well. I think very much people get discouraged when we try to receive revelation on a matter and aren't receiving an answer. It mm-hmm. could be the answer is you're not ready yet or you're not asking the right question. And often it's not that the Lord is ignoring us. He's allowing us to get to there, get to what he's ready to reveal to us now. Um and that's that's always a process. Yeah, it is. And I imagine for these members of the church, even just building the temple, that probably they probably had questions, right? They yeah. didn't know when they're first starting to build it. They didn't know why yet. And Mm-mm. that's something I think is fascinating. Is they're coming and they're saying, "All right, we're going to build the temple," but like we don't even we don't even completely understand what this purpose is. We just know that God told us to do it. Yeah, and I think that that takes so much faith. I think about times in my life when God has asked me to do something and I look at him and I say, what? Why are you asking me to do this? I don't understand. Mm -hmm. But they had so much faith and I love that. Yeah. It's great that we can now look back and see this. This is the, this was the purpose of this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's just amazing. Have you ever seen Lamb of God by any chance? It's so good. I did a showing uh, in the YSA award of that on Easter Sunday for anyone who didn't have like family to go back to. And just that, that song by Thomas, the sometime will understand. Yes. Me chills. And that's, that's very like much. my motto for the last oh. like month. I love it so much. It, mm, Martha's song, all of it. So good. If you haven't ever seen it, listener, this is your chance. It's free on BYU.tv streaming. Just mm. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> just it's so good. Good little it's, Sunday activity. Oh, it's man. Amazing. It's I listen so to that soundtrack. Good. 
but yeah, it's very much sometimes with tearless eyes, we'll, we'll finally see what we couldn't understand here. Yeah. And so it's so good. Um, so yeah, I think I'll go ahead and kind of start a little bit with uh, Joseph Smith's experience. We'll go into kind of the redemption of the dead if you're ready for that. I am ready for the redemption Amazing. of the dead. Oh, it's good. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to quote this from this is from Teachings of the President. I will always link everything in the description for deeper reading, but this is from the life of Joseph Smith. They've compiled a lot of his life and his teachings and so this is in there. Early in the prophet Joseph Smith's ministry, he had an experience that would prepare him for the time when the doctrine of salvation for the dead would be revealed. In November 1823, Alvin Smith, the oldest child of Lucy Mack Smith and Joseph Smith Sr., suddenly became seriously ill and lay near death. Alvin was 25 years old, a strong and capable young man whose hard work contributed greatly to the family's financial stability. His mother described him as a youth of singular goodness of disposition, whose nobleness and generosity blessed all those all around him every hour of his existence, which I think it says it in here, but Joseph and Alvin had a really special relationship. Yeah. And I think this one was really hard. Um, knowing he was dying, Alvin called his brothers and sisters to him and spoke to each of them. To Joseph, who was almost 18 years old and had not yet received the gold plates, Alvin said, I want you to be a good boy and do everything that lies in your power to obtain the records. Be faithful in receiving instruction and keeping every commandment that is given you. Your brother Alvin must now leave you, but remember the example which he has set for you and set a good example for the children that are younger than you. When Alvin died, a family asked the Presbyterian minister in Palmyra, New York, to officiate at his funeral. As Alvin had not been a member of the minister's congregation, the clergyman asserted in his sermon that Alvin could not be saved. William Smith, Joseph's younger brother, recalled the minister intimated very strongly that Alvin had gone to hell for Alvin was not a church member, but he was a good boy and my father did not like that, which I can't imagine losing your son. Oh my goodness, and then, I can't even imagine. And I've, we hear stories of this where just well-meaning people that just don't know and then to be told oh your child's your child's doomed forever your child has gone to hell and they're gonna suffer yeah. forever and that is I, I just can't fathom that anxiety you would feel as a parent how awful that would be on top of already grieving for them before this restored truth came to light that really was that's what people thought and you can't be blamed for it it's it's in the bible baptisms for the dead but it's it's the Bible has changed a lot as mm -hmm. it's progressed. I've talked about that in an earlier episode, but in January, 1836, many years after Alvin's death, Joseph Smith received a vision of the celestial kingdom in which he saw that Alvin, as well as his mother and father would someday inherit that kingdom. Joseph marveled how it was that Alvin had obtained an inheritance in that kingdom, seeing that he had departed in this life before the Lord had set his hand to gather Israel the second time. The voice of the Lord then came to Joseph declaring, all who have died without a knowledge of this gospel, who would have received it if they had been permitted to tarry, shall be heirs of the celestial kingdom of God. Also, all that die henceforth without a knowledge of it, who would have received it with all their hearts, shall be heirs of that kingdom. For I, the Lord, will judge all men according to their works, according to the desires of their hearts. And I just, that feels like the beginning of hope. All that we've lost is not lost. That it, it makes sense. If Heavenly Father is our Father, a loving father would give his children every chance to accept the gospel, to accept Jesus Christ as their savior. And 
just again, the temple is the place of hope. It's where families are forged and it's where people are able to do work for those who have passed away. It's really such a special ability to do that. That It's so easy to take for granted for me sometimes when I go, I'm just going to go do baptisms at the temple. And you don't think about some of these people have waited hundreds, thousands of years to receive these ordinances and how happy they are that they get the chance to do that. That's um, so true. And when did you say that he had had that revelation again? I just was trying to remember. No, you're good. It says January 1836. Something I think it's just cool to think about that. That's so long after, you know, after the beginning of the church, the church mm-hmm. has already been established for like six years. It just makes me think back to that principle of like that line upon line that he had already come so far from where he was when the church began. And then God is saying, look, like, here's another principle that I'm I'm giving to you. You're ready to know this. I'm sure mm-hmm. it was something that Joseph had probably been like thinking about or praying about for years mm-hmm. since losing his brother. And just that timing, I think is amazing that it, it probably felt like a really long time for Joseph. It's felt like thousands of years for the people that we are are doing these baptisms for, but it was all in God's time. And I just think that's really cool. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Honestly, I think for the saints to hear this revelation would be both awe inspiring and completely overwhelming. Yeah, definitely. Because now there's, there's how many billions of people have lived on earth. It's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> that's, that's a big work. It's a big work to do. Even, um, even in the last conference with 17 million members um, Mm -hmm. that we have, that's such a tiny slice of humanity. This is a big work. And the wonderful thing is we do know that people still have their agency and can choose for themselves to choose Christ as their redeemer. So very much our purpose in life is to be able to have these ordinances performed. So it's an offering to those and those people who have passed on can still choose uh, whether they would like that to be done or to, you know, have that ordinance um, be part of their life or not. So as Elijah had taught the hearts of the father turning to the children and the children's to their fathers. I mean, this yeah. is again, like I said, the forging of families right here. And this is, it all comes together here in the temple that the temple's not just a sacred place for worship. It's a place where eternity meets mortality, you know? I love uh, eternity meets mortality. Thank you. <laughs> so <laughs> profound. Like, thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I can't take credit for that. I, I have a class where I teach temple appreciation and we talk about some of the symbols that we encounter uh, uh-huh. that we see in the temple. And one of the most common symbols that you'll see inside of temples are circles inside of squares. That's super huh. common. Once you start looking for them, you won't be able to unsee them. So basically circles symbolize eternity. There's no definite beginning. There's no end. It's one eternal round. And typically the square then, since it has definitive points on it has a beginning and an end that that tends to represent mortality so when you put the symbol that's on the temples of the circle and then the square inside of that that symbolizes the temple where eternity and mortality meet and uh wow you just yeah. blew my mind oh yeah i've never heard that before that is so cool i'll send you my uh my presentation if i'm you gonna see. look for that now. that's really cool <laughs> Yeah, you'll see them everywhere once you start looking. Yes. So, so yeah, this was a super exciting time for the saints to be able to participate in these ordinances. And I think very sweetly, very much um, in Peter, the Apostle Peter-like faith, jumping out into the water 
-hmm. and just going for it. I think the saints were, let's, we learned about, we can do baptisms by immersion for our dead. Let's start gathering some names and let's just start baptisms. We'll do it in any, any body of water that's available pretty much. Yeah. And there was not a lot of organization in that men were being baptized for women, women didn't baptize for men. There were no witnesses. And so it was very much at the beginning that, that sweet, deep enthusiasm that they had, but not mm-hmm. the further understanding. And it wasn't until the Lord revealed that records need to be faithfully kept. The house of the Lord, the temple, is often referred to as a house of order. As we will keep records here on earth, there will be records simultaneously kept in heaven. In a more perfect way, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure I've always said that the millennium uh, will be a time to fix everything we did down here <laughs> in the temple. <laughs> You're probably right about that. I am sure there are many people who have been baptized like a hundred times by now. Right. Sealed to all sorts of wrong people. But um, it's very much that the temple ordinances are not just for those that were doing them for. They're for us as we participate in them to remind us of the blessings that we had when we received those ordinances. Now we need a recorder, someone to verify the record. Now we need witnesses to verify that this was done correctly. And... Uh, the Lord would explain to the saints at the beginning of this that they could still continue to do baptisms in rivers or ponds or wherever, but at some point they would need to stop until a baptismal font was built into the temple, and then they could do the baptisms there and give them time to start collecting records. A bunch of saints started writing relatives of send me all the information you know about great-grandpa, great-great-grandpa, great-great-great-grandma, you know, give them time to collect these names. Um, Anyway, sorry, do you have any thoughts? (laughs) Yeah, I do. I just, I think it's really cool too, going along with that. Just like you said, like their enthusiasm was so, I bet so just like pure and genuine and they were so excited. Um, And something that actually is really cool is when it was revealed, like, okay, we need to not put a pause, but a little bit, slow down Mm -hmm. a little because we want to do this in the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, and we talk actually a lot about that in Nauvoo, in one of the homes that was restored pretty recently, about mm-hmm. how that revelation came to pass, that Joseph Smith actually was in hiding at this home to avoid being arrested. So it's kind of a perilous time. Ooh. And then he receives this revelation. He's like hiding. I don't, I can't, I'm trying to remember either in the basement or in the attic. He's somewhere, right? Because people are like kind of after him not an easy moment for him, but he kind of uses it um, to receive this revelation. And he writes this, these letters to the saints, Doctrine and Covenants 127 and 128, where he says, okay, this is how we want it to be done. Like, yes, we can do these baptisms for the dead. Um, but I love, I love in Doctrine and Covenants 127 verse four, I'm just going to read it because I yeah, think it's it. so cool to see kind of this perspective that he says, this is why we're doing this. It says, and again, verily thus saith the Lord, let the work of my temple and all the works which I have appointed unto you be continued on and not cease. And let your diligence and your perseverance and patience and your works be redoubled. And you shall in no wise lose your reward, saith the Lord of hosts. And if they persecute you, So persecuted they the prophets and righteous men that were before you. For all this, there is a reward in heaven. He's just saying, let's like, let's do this, right? You're doing this and I am with you. 
And this is why I want you to keep doing these baptisms for the dead, but we need to have recorders. We need to have this be done in the proper way and in the temple. And so keep working on the temple and it's going to be hard, but like you can do it. And if they persecute you, then you're in good company. You're working towards that reward in heaven. You're working towards being with your family for eternity. Mm. And I just love the Lord's words to the saints on that. Honestly, I think it's amazing. I am so glad you shared that. Thank you so much. See, this is this is why I knew you'd be an amazing guest. <laughs> <laughs> so great. So yeah, the saints were able to do baptisms and confirmations, which would allow people to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and to have that under proper priesthood authority and priesthood mm-hmm. power so that they could start um, utilizing the spirit of the Lord in their life and um, to be set apart to do that. So yeah, baptisms, confirmations were huge. And a lot of religions believe in baptism. Uh, many yeah. religions participate in baptism. Um, something I'll, I'll probably mention in a later episode, but something I'm very particularly thankful for was the revelation that little children before they reach an age of accountability are saved by Christ and by his mercy. Um, I'm very thankful. A lot of, a lot of people believe that children are born in sin because they're born mortal and therefore, you know, took upon themselves the sin of Adam and Eve, however they want to put that. Yeah. But we know that until children are able to make the decisions for themselves, that the parents are responsible for raising them correctly and raising them in, in the ways of the spirit. And then that children um, if they die before that, that the Lord's taking care of that. Because honestly, I don't know how you could look in the face of a little infant and not know that that thing is straight from heaven. And that thing uh-huh. is pure as pure. <laughs> Hasn't made any mistakes yet. <laughs> so true. And that's also, I think, a very hopeful thing as well. So very much for those who died before the age of eight, that baptisms would not need to be performed for them. But there were later ordinances. We'll get to sealings. That, that children would be able to be sealed to their family for time and all eternity, which I don't know about you, but sealings, live sealings in particular, are my favorite types of they are any temple ordinance. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyone who gets the chance to see a couple being married in the temple to be sealed together or to see children being sealed to their parents, oh, I, I'm going to get teary thinking about it. It's my favorite <laughs> ordinance. <laughs> it is so We're right. talking about baptisms. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting yeah. way ahead. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. And then they had that font that was set apart and able for them to be used solely for the use of baptisms to have the witness area to have a recorder. And they were able to do all of these things to keep the, keep the order, um, Mm -hmm. of that, which we still use in all the temples that we now have an electronic system that you can just scan the barcode and it will show up that this ordinance has been performed for this person. So that way we're not trying to, you know, do a bunch of baptisms for the fa- the same person. Um, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time we're, we're avoiding those errors. Uh-huh. I remember, oh, this is so stupid. We had like a last minute spiritual thought that if we were ever asked in seminary or uh-huh. church to give a spiritual thought, we would stand in front of the class and just be quiet for one minute. I would like check the clock and we'll time it. And uh-huh. everybody gets very uncomfortable. And then after you wait, you say, if you thought that minute was long, think how long your ancestors have been waiting for you to do baptisms or or something like that. That That's incredible. (laughs) Oh, that's so Uh, um, Just working at the temple recently, we had a name from 
the year like 90 or not 19 like 983 and i was Whoa. like oh my gosh this person has been waiting not quite 2000 so years long. math is not my strong suit but a long time <laughs> and i always like doing the math when i see names to be like oh this person's waited 206 years and this person and hopefully time passes by faster for people who have oh, passed away i, I would imagine because really so, that sounds like a really long time to wait it does <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway thinking how exciting this is gonna be for everybody and so uh -huh. As we participate in these ordinances of the temple, um, you know, we're not actually the savior for these people, but in a way we get to experience doing something for them that they can't do themselves. And we get to experience yeah. that, that feeling of we're able to help and we're able to serve. That is, that is what was promised in the Bible, the gathering of Israel that goes on both sides of the veil. That's not just here. It's not just now it's gathering, which is so cool, which is really cool. It is. And it just keeps going. <laughs> I know. I know, right? It's going to be the best. I'm so excited for <laughs> getting to do all temple mm -hmm. things. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to share about baptisms, confirmations, before we kind of switch gears a little bit here? I don't think so. I think that's really it. I just, I think it's amazing to see that progression of of revelation. I love mm -hmm. that you pointed that out at the beginning, because now everything that we talk about, I'm like, wow. Line up online. It's Line incredible. Up online. <laughs> Straight so, up. Hello, listener. Due to the wonderful nature of this episode and the length of the discussion, I'm going to go ahead. We're going to split the episode. We're going to end it here. And I hope you join us for part two of the episode. Have a celestial day.